Welcome to the Unmasked Life Podcast, a podcast to help you leverage your past, fulfill your purpose, and unmask your potential. And now your host, Matt Manny. Hey, this is Matt Manny. Thanks so much for pushing play and tuning in once again to the Unmasked Life Podcast. I'm so glad that you've decided to spend some time today and uh, maybe you caught the link Maybe you saw that the podcast episode today is about struggling through, wrestling through burnout, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but I want to thank you so much. We've just uh, officially kicked off and launched this podcast. We, I already had uh, several episodes rolled out so people could get a feel for the podcast, and then my first official energy was just this previous podcast with Sean Thornton, and we had such great feedback uh, almost uh, 50 downloads listening just to his podcast alone and uh, just saw some great feedback from folks. Got a phone call actually this morning about the podcast. A guy called from his car. A friend of mine said, I'm listening to this podcast. I'm on my way to work and you are just tearing me up. This is not fair and it's really making me rethink some things. And so uh, I'm glad that uh, the podcast is helping people, and uh, I'm hoping today as well will help you. A couple of things I want to just, uh, by way of uh, just getting uh, knocked out here, Breakthrough, the book that I'm self-publishing, it's going to roll out here in just a couple weeks, and so I'm in the process right now of getting edited, working on adding some some uh, opt-in things, some extra information in there, some bonus uh, things you can actually download get information from the book. So as you're reading through the book, there's going to be different points, five different points at which you can go ahead and actually practically take the information from the book. You can apply this framework to your life to work through the death of a dream, struggling with burnout, disappointment maybe that you've faced. And so I'm in the process of that. I also want to mention to you, if you're interested in getting more information about this book, one of the things, and we'll really dive into this here in a moment in the podcast, we're going to talk about the challenges that we face when we lose uh, our dream, when things don't work out as we had planned. And there's a checklist that I've put together. You can download this checklist. It has these different uh, uh, points where talking about, have you faced this challenge? And then you just kind of check off if you face these different issues with a specific challenge. So if you've been in a situation where you've been falsely accused, that can really drive us to a point of burnout, to losing our dream because of a conflict like like that. If you've ever been in a situation where another challenge is where people have left you, where you've had relationships that didn't work out, whether it was a friendship or a significant other, and you were stuck in a situation where you are all alone, and then you go ahead and check off if those things are true about yourself. Maybe you accomplished your goals and actually did get your dreams accomplished. And and as your life began to change, other people around you didn't like that change. And so you found yourself now losing friends. And so you are successful and you've been validated and vindicated in what you're doing. But it seems like life, as you know, it has changed. And so there's some checklists there to talk through. And there can be some burnout even as you become successful, that there's new challenges that you've never faced before. So if you're interested in getting a hold of that and seeing uh, how to face those challenges, it really gives some uh, a look into the book itself and the, the the main talking points of the book. And so really you're going to get a everything that you would need to know how to work to get a breakthrough. You'll get that in this checklist. And if you're interested in that, you can go to mattmanny.com 
forward slash breakthrough. All these different bonuses that I'll have uh, be talking about here in the future on the podcast, the bonuses from the book, the different frameworks and steps you can take to go ahead and get through the break uh, your breakthrough. Those are going to be in um, the uh, on that page on my on my website. For today, we're going to be talking about dealing with burnout. And as you're struggling through burnout, I've got a list of 20 different items, 20 characteristics that you know that you are dealing with burnout. And so we're going to talk through those 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 uh, characteristics. But then I'm also going to dive in and really talk about five secrets that the things that I learned in the process of going through my time. So I'll tell you some of my story, why I wrote the book, and uh, kind of some things that, that I went through, what we went through, Amanda and myself went through our family, and really it was a, a career crisis for me working through that. So if you've ever been in a situation like that, you're definitely going to want to listen in and hear some some real simple key things that that God brought me to these points and places, and uh, I didn't necessarily <laughs> learn it uh, because of a book, but things, life lessons, and and keys that were so crucial for me to work through and and uh, not give up and make some really bad, bad decisions. And so we'll talk about that. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, if you would like to get this podcast to your uh, directly to your, your device, to your iPhone, to your iPad, or wherever it might be, and you want to listen on your platform, go ahead and subscribe today. We're on eight different platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast. We're also on Google as well. And so I'd encourage you to subscribe today and then go ahead and leave a rating for us and a review. And those ratings and reviews will help get the podcast in front of more people. And the more people that get it, the more people that can get get help. And so it's a win-win for you. It's a win for other people. And it helps get the word out about this fantastic information. And at the end of the podcast today, I'll share with you the next episode and our next guest that we'll hear from uh, this next Tuesday as we roll out the next interview. So here, join me for the insight for today as we talk about five secrets to fixing burnout. In this episode, we're going to talk about burnout today, and so I'm hoping that uh, you've come to the right place. I'm hoping that you're in a, in a point maybe where you have gone through burnout, maybe you are in the middle of burnout, uh, or you feel like things are just out of control in your life, and so you're looking for some help today. Man, I'm so glad to be able to get connected with you and kind of share a little bit of, of my story with you, and um, hopefully by the end of, of these moments together, that not everything's going to be fixed, but you at least have some hope uh, uh, pointing you in the right direction. And uh, so just to kind of give you a little bit of the background of this podcast was actually um, birthed, conceived, the idea of it was was years ago. And, um, and then as I was working through trying to get things uh, launched and going forward, the bottom dropped out. Uh, as you've heard the story, if you go back and listen to episode one, you'll hear about kind of my story, what I do. I'm a church planter, I'm a pastor, and about my wife and I coming to the greater Philadelphia area and starting the ministry. And so we we had been years into the ministry, and things were going guns a-blazing, and I had two issues. I had an external problem take place, and I had an internal issue that was even bigger that I had to wrestle with. And the two of those those issues collided because of circumstances that were outside of our control. 
and God brought these issues to to the surface, and it really in the in the middle of all this, uh, the bottom dropped out and burnout just came in like a rush. And so I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. But I want to jump in just to give you some a quick win here. We're going to talk about just briefly how do you know you're burned out. Is this just more that you just stayed up way too late binge-watching Netflix? Is this just man, you're coming through Christmas and there's the sugar hangover, the sugar coma? Is this you just had a bad day? Or is this legitimately a season of life where you are burned out and, and you should be on high alert that this is not normal, this is not going away, and you need to get some help or you need to do something to be able to work through, even at least just being aware is important. And so here's a list of 20, 20 items. As I'm going through, I'll just make a little bit of comment about each characteristic. And if you can just, wherever you're at, whether it's counting on your fingers or checking off on a piece of paper, if you can just keep a, a tally of how many of these things are true in your life right now, that way we can go ahead and at the end, I'll tell you how many of these things, where you're at when it comes to, to burnout, whether you are in full-blown burnout, whether you are not in burnout and you're doing really well and you're at a healthy point, or if you're about to slide into and burnout is coming uh, with a fury your way. So here, here's just the, the list of 20 items. Number one is this. You don't want to do what you're doing anymore. Your career, your job, your roles, your responsibility, you simply have no motivation. There's no energy. There's no desire to do what you do anymore yes or no number two the second characteristic is this you can't sleep at night you toss and turn you stare at the ceiling statistics say people men women in their 30s and 40s but especially their their mid to late 30s specifically really struggle with insomnia where they struggle and whether that's because it's just a time of life, I'm not sure. I have some I have some thoughts about that. Maybe I'll share a, bit, a little bit later. But number two is this. You can't sleep at night. Even if you've gone to bed early, you are so tired that you just cannot sleep. Maybe you're taking sleeping pills. Maybe you're trying to do something to help you get a, a good night's sleep. And it's more than just you've got sleep apnea or another physical uh, difficulty. You just literally cannot get to sleep. Number three, what once made you happy now has no effect on you. What was once your go-to thing that made you excited, people filled you up, laughing filled you up, a movie was, was a good salve to your soul, maybe a specific meal or going out to a restaurant, maybe alone time or a good book. What once kept you encouraged now has no effect on changing your mindset or your mood and so you, you really, it doesn't work anymore for you. Number four, you're so tired, but you can't get deep, refreshing rest. You try to go away on vacation. You try to go back to some, like like I mentioned before, you try to do some of your old routines to fill you up. And yet, you're so tired, you, you, you need a vacation from your vacation. You just can't get deep, soul, refreshing rest. Number five, your emotions are out of whack. Your emotional response is overreactive or underreactive to the situation. What I mean by that is little things that to your average emotionally healthy person, what normally would be, hey, no big deal, it's okay. You are overreacting. So spilled milk, your kids break something, something takes place, 
and you go into a tirade. You totally lose all control of your emotions because of whatever happened at work. Somebody didn't come through on a project that they promised that they would do for you. Something fell through and your response is just way, way over the top. Or on the flip side, something that's a big issue, you really don't care. They'll lose a loved one. You have a situation that for most people, again, healthy, normal people would say, this is something to really respond to. You have no emotional response to. It's just not not really registering on your radar. Number six, you want out of everything and anything. Responsibility for you right now is just too overwhelming. You can't think through planning ahead. You can't think through dealing with people. You are relationally drained. You are responsibility drained. You just want to get out of everything. Number seven, you're paranoid. Your fear of failure makes you cry. You find yourself just for no given reason just crying because you have so much pent-up stress and emotion. It's actually trying to be released out of your body, and and you just cry at, at awkward, even inopportune times. You're paranoid. You're fearful that the bottom's going to fall out. Maybe it has fallen out, but there's this paranoia. Number seven, your dreams are nuts. They're crazy. You have crazy dreams. Your subconscious stress is coming out in wild and weird dreams. If you're having dreams of of night terrors, maybe. Um, I went through a time where I had incessant dreams of certain people coming in my dream and telling me that I couldn't handle my life, I couldn't handle my situation, and they would take over and they would take control. They would help my family, they would help my church because I couldn't do what I would, what I needed to do. And it, it made me so fearful. When I woke up from those dreams, it just was too real for me. Number nine, your stress is taking a toll on your body. Your stress is physically working itself, manifesting itself in a literal way in your body. Whether you're breaking out in, in hives, there's actually a clinical a, uh, a clinical um, a prognosis or diagnosis of stress rash where you're so overworked, you're so burnt out that it's actually working itself out in your body. We find then number 10, you contemplate long-term solutions for a short-term problem. You're thinking about leaving your spouse. You're thinking about uh, quitting your job. You're thinking about trying to make a make a move. You're thinking about maybe even even taking your life. And because of the stress and pressure of what you're going through, you find yourself at a point where it's just so much for you to handle. And so in order to fix what's going on right now in the in the immediate, you're looking at a long-term fix for it. Number 11, you have little to no energy to do anything. Very little energy to do anything. It takes a lot of work just to even maybe get out of bed in the morning. You're really struggling. We find number 12, indecision is a part of life. You can't decide if you should stay in your job, let alone whatever to have for breakfast. Decisions that should be very simple. You can't make a decision. You struggle. You find yourself staring into the cabinet, the the pantry. You find yourself at the grocery store stuck and just staring at the shelf full of food. food. Or you're in your office and you're staring at your computer screen in a trance almost because you just can't think through what to do next. 
Number 13, you can't see beyond what is in front of you in the moment. Thinking about tomorrow is completely overwhelming. You cannot think about tomorrow because it'll it'll throw you into a tailspin of depression and discouragement and all the things we just mentioned previously up to this point just come rushing back in. Number 14, you're mean. You're, you have a very, very short fuse. You're just mean to people. Uh, when you used to be kind and patient and caring, you now have no patience whatsoever. And that leads right into number 15, people irritate you. So 14, you're mean. 15, people irritate you all the time. I found myself at times being irritated with my wife, with my kids, uh, more so than usual, more so than it was just this incessant uh, discontent, this lack of peace in my life. And so people and relationships just would grind on my nerves and irritate me. Number 16, you can't laugh. You struggle even just to laugh. What made you laugh before doesn't work anymore because your mind is so consumed with your burnout, with your stress, with your problem, you can't laugh. Number 17, food doesn't taste good anymore. This goes back to some things we had mentioned earlier, that food just doesn't have that same fulfillment like it used to. Number 18, this is more of an internal, a mental, intellectual side of things. Number 18, you doubt everything. Because of maybe the bottom dropping out or the failure you faced, this has now thrown you into questioning and doubting everything you do. Should I have gotten married? Should I have had kids? Should I have gotten into this job? Uh, should I have done or not done something? Uh, so there's all these questions, doubts that come in. Number 19, you feel stuck physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You feel very far from God. You even might say that God's mad at you because of the situation you're going through. And then number 20, this is the last one. This is a, a key, crucial you wish you could be anybody but you. You wish that you could be anyone, anybody but you. So if this list of 20 items, 20 characteristics, if this describes your life, if if you're finding yourself, yeah, some of these things, I'll go back through the list real quick for you. And again, I'll also give you a link to this, this list. This has, um, uh, uh, this is a, uh, I'll put in a blog post for you so you can actually get your hands on this. But real quick, you don't want to do what you're doing anymore. You can't sleep at night. What once made you happy has no effect on you. You're tired. Your emotions are out of whack. You want out of everything and anything. You are paranoid. Your dreams are nuts. They're crazy. Stress is taking a toll on you. You contemplate long-term solutions for the short-term problem. You have little to no energy. You're very indecisive. You can't see beyond what's in front of you. You're mean. 15, people irritate you. 16, you can't laugh anymore. 17, food doesn't taste good. 18, you doubt everything. 19, you feel stuck. And 20, you wish you could be anybody but you. So if this list describes you to any any degree, here's, here's something to think through, to think about. If you have just a few of these descriptors, it could be that you're just having a rough day. If of these 20 items and just a handful of them describe you, it's just you're having an off day and that's okay. So you're emotionally, physically, spiritually, you're at a, you're at a pretty decent point. You're not top peak performance, but you're doing okay. If you have more than five of these descriptors and you find yourself just 
between five and 10 of these items, you could be having a low burn, a low a simmer of burnout coming. So you could be going in that direction. So you, you want to lean more toward getting healthy. You want to be careful because if you begin to have more of these descriptors, you can see where this is going. If you have half, if you have 10 to 15 of these descriptors, you're right on the edge, you're on the cusp of burnout, I would say. If you have more than more than 10, if you're closer to 20, between 15 and 20 of these descriptors, you've probably done a cannonball into the deep end of burnout. You probably, you're right there. And of these things that I'm talking about, this is just striking a chord. It's lighting you up and you're like, yes, this is, I couldn't put my finger on it, but these things are what I'm struggling with. Then you're most likely, I would say, based on my experience and things that I've gone through, the struggles that you're in burnout. So here's the question: Is burn, burnout inevitable? And my honest answer is, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I, I do know that it's a. It can be a part of life. I do believe that that uh, people in the Bible experienced burnout at different times. David from the Old Testament, I believe, as he tells his story in some of the Psalms and writes about what he's going through, I believe he was in burnout. I believe Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was emotionally and physically drained and burned out. Um, we also uh, uh, know in just in our in our personal lives, we can see some of those similar things. That stressfulness coming out is burnout bad? I don't think so. Some people say burnout. It can destroy you, it can wreck you. I think burnout is is a process of life. It's the warning light on the dashboard that's lighting up saying, hey, there are problems that are going on that need to be fixed. It's, it's not something that... Uh, um, is bad. It's just it's it's just a warning. It's like temptation. Temptation isn't sin. It's just hey, be aware. And so burnout. It's not something that is is long uh, terminal. It's not something that cannot be fixed or addressed. But it's just a warning, like saying you need to be aware that there are things that need to change. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're burned out, here are here's some hope for you. And in just a moment, I want to share with you about five secrets, five things that I learned in going through this process, and why I'm why I'm, I'm talking about it today. It's it's hard because at some some points, as I contemplated uh, talking about um, what we've gone through, it's like nobody cares, nobody wants to know. Maybe you feel like that today. Like who really wants to know and hear me gripe? You know, the only person that wants to hear me talk about my struggles is a therapist. Or a counselor, and that's only because they're going to get paid, you know, however, how, however much money an hour to listen to me. I have to pay somebody to listen to me, just uh, uh, do an emotional or a brain dump and work through my issues. And nobody, nobody wants to do that. It's uh, to to have to like you know pay somebody to listen to you, and maybe if you have to, I, I don't know what your situation is, but it, but it's difficult when you're working through something. You think, man. Is it just me? One of the big struggles that we we went through, I got to the point where if I'd go to the grocery store to pick up just to hit some groceries and, and pick up milk and eggs, that kind of stuff. I'd be literally standing there in line, and uh, part of our, our burnout was a financial hit that we took as a family. And so I can remember standing there in line with just a crumpled up, you know, one or two dollar bill, and, and the other hand um, was just a pulling pocket change out of my pocket because we went through rummage through the couch, or hit the the coin jar from the pantry, and I put my stuff on the on the 
on the conveyor belt there, and the person in front of me is buying up just a, a cartload, a grocery cart full of groceries, and they're able to pay for stuff, and, and the emotions that would well up inside, I become so frustrated. I go through anger. I'd be angry at them that they were doing so well. I'd be envy, envy that they're going home with all these groceries, and I, I wasn't. I would be angry at myself and feel guilty, like I wasn't trying hard enough, and why could, why was I struggling so, like, what's wrong with me that I'm struggling so bad trying to make ends meet and trying to be the provider for my family and being a pastor? What am I doing wrong that I can't even just pay for groceries? And so some of those emotions, some of those issues uh, came, came through. So here, here's the backstory to all this. As a as a as a person, as a pastor, as a human being, my desire that I found my internal issue going on was that I I was looking for I I long for approval and acceptance. Have you ever felt like that? That you desperately want people to accept you and to approve of you, and so it's the the people pleaser syndrome. And I struggle with that deeply I, to this day. It's something I always have to keep in mind and be aware of, but. One of the things that my thought was is I'm gonna I'm doing good I'm I'm a pastor I'm I'm doing right and I'm trying to help people but the exchange the transaction that I want if I help you I want to have your approval I want you to pat me on the back I want you to tell me that I'm a good person I'm a good pastor I want you to let me know that you like me and, and I think for any of us we have that as a human basic human need. We want to find acceptance, significance, and approval. And so maybe even for you in your job, if you never got a pat on the back, if you never got approval, if, if people never ever told you that, hey, what you're doing matters and it's good, would it, would it, would it hurt you? And for some of you out there, it was, yeah, this is no big deal. Like, just suck it up and deal with it. Well, you're wired differently, and that's okay. You, you have your other set of issues, different, <laughs> different than mine. But what I found was, is that in my situation, what I was struggling with, I wanted people's acceptance and approval. I wanted love. I wanted to be loved for who I was. And what I found through this process of going through burnout and through doing some study and reading and learning about myself and learning about my relationships, the number one thing I found was this, that, that I, I, I internalized a message from a, from a young age that there's something fundamentally wrong with me. And in order for me to be able to fit in and to be accepted, I had to stand out. And so my performance for my behavior, I would do everything I could to obey the rules and to find the approval of the teacher or the boss or the pastor or whoever was in authority. I would do everything I could to to get their approval in order then to be able to say to people, look, I have value. That if the, the teacher puts their stamp of approval on me, then I'm valuable and I'm worthy and I'm accepted. And so what I started doing though was I would do things uh, that that in my teenage years and into my college years and even into my pastoring, I would do things to stand out, even trying things and pushing the envelope and doing different things and, and, and having the ideal message to preach on par with like, I have a dream, you know, Martin Luther King's, I have a dream message. My goal, my pressure every, every week was to, to produce a message that was a grand slam message on par with a Martin Luther King. And the pressure that that put on me and the stress that that put on me every Sunday, it was this, 
blessing and curse because I would do my dead level best. And I think if if you're out there and you're, you're a pastor listening or someone in ministry, you get this. If you are, are a, a banker or you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a, a salesperson, you want to do your dead level best to be able to move the needle uh, forward. You want to move the ball down the field. You want people to engage you. And what I was finding was as things went on, when somebody would come visit the church and we'd talk and they'd say, man, this is really great, great preaching. We really like it. But then they wouldn't come back. It would, it would, I would, I would lock it away and think about it and get consumed by it. When somebody would come and visit and uh, say, man, I want to get, get involved here. And they would be, be in the church for a little bit and then they leave. Oh, it was so difficult. And at one point, I, I'll never forget the day we, we had pulled in. I share this in the book a little bit. We, we, went on uh, on Thursdays we would we go on date nights just a tradition that we have so Thursday night my parents live in the area nearby and so we drop our kids off at my folks place and then we go out on a date night and so I'll never forget in the midst of all this this uh, stuff that's going on it's like the perfect storm it's one of the things that happened I remember pulling into my parents house and uh, looking at their looking at their garage they have a, they had the house at the time they had a two-car garage and um my phone dings that I got an e- a text message and then Amanda's phone ding that she got a text message and as she was helping the kids get out of the car seats and stuff and, and get, you know, their things to get ready to go to pop in grandma's house, go inside. And I looked at my phone real quick and I saw it was from somebody who was going to our church at the time. Uh, and, and so this individual, they had said, basically, Hey, if, if this is, if you call yourself a pastor, and your wife claims to be a pastor's wife. You people, in essence, uh, this individual said, you're, you're horrible people. And and I don't want to be a part of your church anymore. And it, there was this, this sense of there was these expectations that weren't being met. And so I, I tried to grab Amanda's phone to delete it because this individual said some things about Amanda specifically. And it just cut to the core. I think... Uh, pulling back and looking at all the layers and looking at what was going on, they were going through some something in their life personally at the time. And so they were hurt. And so they were looking to hurt somebody. And so they decided to, to turn that on, on Amanda and me. And I remember calling them right away and saying, Hey, what's going on? And uh, they wouldn't pick up. I left a voicemail. Eventually uh, we, they reached out again and just said, I don't like your preaching. I don't like what you have to say on Sunday mornings. And I'm not coming to your church anymore. I'm going to find another place to go to church. And it, it destroyed me. I tried to reach out again. We just, they, they wouldn't pick up the phone and we, we couldn't talk. And I kept trying to make this right. I wanted to please them because I was, here's the deal. Here's the internal issue. They were walking away with something I desperately needed. They were walking away with my acceptance. They were walking away with, with their approval of me. And I desperately wanted that. And, and, and here's the deal. Is that always the motivator? No, we, we care about people. We want to have uh, good relationships. And why does it hurt so bad? Because we care so much. And so in the process that that happened, uh, we took a financial hit at the church and in our personal lives. And we went through a period of time where for multiple months on end, uh, I was working full time for the church, did not have a bivocational situation going on. And so for multiple, uh, multiple months on end, we went out, we went with getting no pay. We had no money coming in at whatsoever. And so we ended up trying in the midst of this, trying to fix things and trying to turn the church around and get uh, more folks coming and get, get giving to come up in the church. 
We ended up maxing out our credit card. We started seeing more and more bills coming in and the financial bottom just dropped out. We also found in, in the midst of all this, I started doubting myself. Um, I started looking at the church and thinking, man, what, a, what a, have I made uh, bad decisions and changes that I've made? I got a phone call from a friend who I used to work with in ministry, and they, they don't attend the, uh, our church at all. And they said, hey, I've been, I've been watching on uh, Facebook Live your services, and I don't agree with with a couple things there. And so they started questioning me on what I was wearing up front while I was speaking. They were questioning um, the, the, the printed pieces that we were putting out. And they just had all this, this just cr critiquing and criticism, really. And uh, then I got a letter in the mail from, from another friend um, that said, again, not a part of our ministry, just, just throwing out their opinion saying that I was... Uh, not doing the right thing as being a pastor and that the kind of church that I was was trying to pastor was weak and that it it wouldn't it wouldn't please God. And so all these things are just coming in and just it's like the perfect storm and the problem is George Clooney is not at the helm trying to get us through this perfect storm. And so I'm I'm questioning, well did I say the wrong thing? Maybe I shouldn't have uh, made the changes that I've made. I I w went from uh, wearing very uh, uh, dressed up for church to now being a little more informal, a little bit more relaxed for, for church. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have changed some things with, with how I was, I was preaching, really trying to connect with people's hearts. And so I made some adjustments there. And so I found, you know, we had uh, a person over here getting hurt. I was getting criticized by friends uh, from from outside of the ministry and all of a sudden, and the, and the finances aren't there. So with these these different areas of pressure, the 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 questioning and doubts just came with a fierce, a fury in in our lives. And I'll never forget. Monday is 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 the day to to re recoup. So Monday is our, is the day off. So for most po folks, they have Saturday Sunday off. So my my day off is on Monday. So come through Sunday, working hard. Preaching, leading worship, counseling with people. We usually always have people over for lunch after church on Sunday. And I'll never forget Monday morning in in the midst of all this chaos. I'm wondering, is the church going to shut down? I'm wondering, am I going to have to resign? Is somebody going to come to me and say, hey, Pastor Matt, um, I think that things are, are, are out of control and I can tell you're stressed. Because I'm so stressed at this point. I'm thinking everybody can see that I'm stressed. And I'm just waiting for somebody to come tell me that I need to resign and hang it up. And that I'm not being... Uh, taking care of my family. So I am so paranoid in the middle of all this. And I'll never forget, my my family had just come over on Sunday for Sunday lunch. We had a good time with them. And Monday morning comes, and I didn't sleep at all that night. I was having some severe foot foot problems where I couldn't, couldn't even barely walk because of some gout issues and some things. And uh, I was trying to wrestle through that, and I was having panic attacks get up on Monday morning, our normal routine for Monday, get breakfast, let the kids, you know, Amanda homeschools, and so the kids will sleep in and a little bit, and uh, they'll, they'll kind of get a day off then too, and so they, uh, it's just me and Amanda, nobody else is around, she's already at the, the dining room table, eating breakfast, doing her routine, she's got her Bible and her journal, and she's writing and praying, and She's got a candle going, and I sit down. My routine is just to look at my, I have a, a Bible app on my phone, and so I have some Bible reading I do. 
I have a, a prayer app, so I'll go to my prayer app. So I'm just sitting there across from her. She can't see what's on my screen. And so I'm going through all these these different uh, paces for my morning routine. And I'm in a bad mood, you know, no surprise there. And she asks me, hey, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm doing my, my reading thing, you know, my, my devotional reading that I do. And she said, well... Well, what's it like? What's it about? What are you doing? And I was like, well, why are you why are you interrogating me? And she said, well, I just want to know like what's going on. And I felt like I was in trouble, you know. Like guys, you've been there. You felt that way when your wife starts asking questions. You're like, oh man, she's she's gonna try to hammer me on something. And so I said, like, well, well, what's up? And she said, well, I'm just I'm just worried about you. And, and I felt like she was questioning me, and I was over over super paranoid. So I'm began to like, I could just feel the anger and the emotion rising in me. So I said, well, well, why are you so worried about me? And she said, well, I just, I know you're stressed and you really haven't talked to me lately about where you're at with things, like how you think the church is doing and, and how you, you're doing. And so I just, I just, I know, I know, you know, we got the phone call and the, and the, or the text message and the letter came and, and all these things and the finances aren't there and there's all this stuff going on. What are, what are your thoughts? And I said, well, well, why are you questioning me? And I got super defensive with her. And, and I got s- so frustrated because at the core, the two issues, one was at the, the heart of it, as I mentioned, was this need for acceptance. But the other thing was this questioning of competency for me. I felt like I was disrespected by people. My, my friend, friends from college at the time and friends from ministry who are questioning things, questioning my, my choices. And instead of fighting with them, instead of like trying to prove my point, I would just be silent and quiet. I tried to engage and tried to answer questions where I could. Um, but instead of, of, of getting angry and with the relationship, I would, I would pull back. I'd say my piece and try to give my reasoning for why I was doing what I was doing. But then I'd pull back and I would internalize and I'd go silent and hide. I'd go stealth mode. And so I did the same thing to Amanda. So then she says to me, and it just escalated, escalated, escalated. She said, listen, I'm really worried about you. And I said, well, what's going on? And I could tell she started getting a little emotional. And she said, well, I'm just, I just don't know anymore. And I said, what do you mean you don't know anymore? And she said, well, I just, I feel so far from you. I'm just questioning what we're doing. I feel like things have changed. And, and so I, I, I talked to your, your family about it yesterday. And, and I said to her, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I've got everything under control. I know what I'm doing. Why are you talking to my family about this? And I got super offended and super hurt. And I felt like, man, you went outside of, of our, our trying to talk through things and you went and talked to my family about it. Normally it shouldn't be a big deal. Like, hey, we just share, but I took it. I, I wasn't in a healthy place and I blew up. I got so angry. I got so frustrated and told her that she shouldn't have done that. And I said, listen, that's enough. Like I've got everything under control. I got mad, I stormed off, and I went into our room. And at this point, my fix is, man, we just got to get money coming in. If, if money wasn't a problem, if we could have income coming in, if we could be paying for bills, and that's a stressor on her mind, we just need to start selling stuff. And so I had a couple of, uh, uh, I have a, a safe with some, some uh, firearms, and I thought, man, I'm just going to go to the local uh, gun shop and sell this stuff and try to get some quick cash and be able to pay for some of our bills. And uh, just got so angry, so I grabbed a bag, and I packed my bag, and I took off out the door, took the keys, and I, and I left. I was, I was gone. And as all this was going on, 
one of the things that Amanda, that, that early on in our marriage, that was something I would do. If we get frustrated and if I would get upset, I would leave, I would bail. And so at one point she said, listen, I get worried about you when you leave. Uh, when we were, when we were doing good and we were talking, you know, like on a date night, everything was fine. She said, listen, I want to ask you to do something for me. Please don't leave anymore because I worry that you're going to get in a car accident or something's going to happen to you. And I, I'd rather have us work through our issues than have you get upset and leave the house. Like you can go to another room. You can, you can, you can like separate and go, go by yourself somewhere in the house, but please don't leave. That just, that scares me. So I said, sure. And I promised her, like, hey, that's no big deal. Well, that day I broke that promise. That day I left. And as I'm driving, I had gone down around the corner in my bag, and I'm just, I'm just questioning, you know, why don't I have my wife's support? Now my wife's acceptance is on, is on the, the, the chopping block, and I don't know, does she support me anymore? And so as I'm wrestling through all this stuff, and it's just going crazy, my mind is going a million miles a minute, and I feel like, man, am I just in the wrong job? Is this just some massive cosmic joke that like I'm not good at what I'm doing and people are just patronizing me and showing pity on me? And, and you know, it's like the finger, finger painting picture from your little kid. And you're like, oh, that's great. You're going to be a Picasso one day. And we just patronize our kids to make them feel good. I felt like a five-year-old has the entirety of my career of being a pastor of my life. Has it been one massive pity, uh, pity patronizing party? of people just saying, hey, like, good for you, like, pat on the back, but you really suck. Like, you're you're not good at what you do. And so all these things came questioning. I was a career crisis, not getting sleep, worried about losing the church, worried about losing my reputation, worried about all these things. And so as I'm driving along, I'm thinking, I don't want to do anything stupid. And it was like the Holy Spirit was impressing on my heart, just go back home, just go back home, just go back home. And so I didn't get too far. I got a couple stoplights away from the house and, uh, and just so frustrated and angry and hurt. I, I couldn't, couldn't explain the emotion any more than I was just was hurt. So I turn on the turn signal, I hang a right, and I go back through a couple of, couple of um, neighborhoods, turn back around, and uh, head back home, pull in, the, pull in the driveway, and I just sat there forever thinking, man, like, I don't want her to know I'm back home. I don't want to have to face this. I don't want to deal with this right now. So I turn the van off. I grab my bag. I walk in the house, and uh, she's nowhere to be found. She's not at the dining room table anymore with her stuff all set out, a cup of coffee. I look and see our bedroom door uh, at the, that house at the time. Our We had our room, bedroom was on the same main floor. So I look, and I see the bedroom door shut, so I'm thinking, man, she's in there. So I go to the bedroom door, and I just tap on the door, and uh, say through the door, hey, can, can we talk? And so I hear the latch unlock, and I hear the, the door handle jiggle, and she opens the door, and she'd been crying. And I said, listen, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm sorry. I, I wish things weren't this way. I am so burned out right now. I, I don't even know which way is up. I don't know what to do next. I don't know what to do. And so we went, sat down at the table, and she said, listen, like, I'm just worried about, like, I don't know where you're at. I feel like you've changed. I feel like, and, and, and I don't even remember exactly what she said, but all the stress and all the pent-up energy and emotion just broke, and I cried and cried and cried. And it was like this deep soul cry of just whimpering. 
um, like like a like a little kid who just lost their best friend. And I remember I didn't want to look at her. My eyes are burning. My emotions are are my emotions are totally raw. And she didn't say anything for a moment. And finally, she just quietly said to me, "Like what? What's on your mind? What are you thinking right now?" And there have been a lot of things. Not not deep, evil, maniacal, like sinister secrets, but there have been a lot of stuff on my heart that I never told my wife. Things that I just kept inside, things that I thought, you know, there's no, no reason bringing this up because it's going to hurt her, so why talk about it? Well, I had stuffed those things down. I'm going to take a time out here for just a minute. you got to be super careful. Don't, don't do this at home. Don't, don't do this, what I'm about to say, because it could have gone some very, it could have gone sideways really quick. But I had been pushed to the point where I was I was thinking, I've got I've to talk to her. I've got to just get this stuff off my chest because I can't deal with this anymore. The pain of carrying what I'm carrying is not worth, not worth it anymore because it's driving a wedge between us. It's driving a wedge between me and God. It's driving a wedge between me and, and the people that I love and pastor. And so I said, fine, this is what I'm struggling with. And I went into it. I'm struggling with the fact that every Sunday I feel like I have to pull off a Grand Slam message. I feel like I have to create something that's on par with I have a dream speech. And then I turn around on Monday morning and i got to start it all over again. I'm tired of people saying if you would go shorter, if you would go longer, if you would go deeper, if you would go lighter, if you would say this or say that, then your message would be better. I'm tired of people telling me how good I am or how bad I am. I'm tired of getting the phone calls or text messages or letters from friends who are critiquing what we're doing. I'm tired of trying to keep things. And I just went over and over. I even was like, I don't like barbecue chicken that you make. Even though I say I do, I'm really lying. Like just crazy stuff. Things like I feel like there's something fundamentally wrong with me that, that I just can't figure out. And I finally said to her, I'm tired of being me. I'm tired of being me. And it wasn't until I got through all that and she said, anything else, anything else? And 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 I said, no, like, that's it. That's it. It was like this weight burden off my chest. And then she said to me, listen, here's the deal. All I want to know is that you're still here with me. All I want to know is that is the, the things that you're thinking. I just want to know what's on your heart. Because when I don't know where you're at, I don't know how to engage you. I don't know if I how to pray for you or how to talk to you or if I need to help you or if I need to change things. I just need to know where I'm at in, in relationship to you. And it was that day that things began to move forward with us, for me personally, because what she said to me then was this. She said, and I'll never forget, if you don't ever preach another message, if you don't ever pastor another day, I will still love you and I will still accept you for who you are. If you never changed at all, if you just who you are, I will love you and accept you as you are. And that was it. That was, I just needed to hear that. And God began to work on my heart. And that was the start, a watershed issue for me. We needed to make some changes and, 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 and we needed to get our finances. And so I started looking for work. I began delivering food for Uber Eats and began delivering packages for Amazon, I did some design work on the side, some graphic design for some some friends to try to get some money coming in. We had different people help us out. We had family, my family, Amanda's family, both helping us out financially, just trying to make ends meet. And, and things began to change and turn around. And it took time. It took pr a process. 
but with time, things began to change. So that that's my story. There's, there's a lot more to it, but that's what I want to share for today. Let me dive in then. Here are five secrets. There's, there's, there's many more. There's at least, at least 10 things, 10 uh, lessons I learned in the midst of burnout. But with all that, that heaviness, let's take, take a break and take a breather. Uh, let it all out. So with that said, here are five lessons, five secrets that I learned that helped me to change my mind and my approach to my situation and my burnout. Some keys that helped me to begin to change my behavior and to change the external issue of being paralyzed to do anything, change the internal issue of how I perceive myself. And so here's number one. Here's the first secret. Number one to fixing your burnout. Remember this. This is a moment in your life. This moment is not the rest of your life. This is a moment in your life. This moment is not the rest of your life. And so as I went through this time of questioning and I thought, man, this is never going to change. This situation is never going to let up. It's like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And so my thought was to resign being a pastor. My thought was to go and tell the church, hey, I'm tired, I'm burned out and I can't do this anymore and you need to find another pastor. My thought was to tell my wife, hey, we need to separate and take some time because I just, I couldn't wrap my head around what, what we were doing and, and I felt like I was a poison to my family, that I was a poison to my marriage. I felt that I was, I was the problem in our church and that I need to remove myself from each of those situations in order for things, for, for things to go better and it's totally backwards. Because if you're, if you're a husband or a mom and you think, well, if I remove myself from my family, my family will do better. Well, no, they won't. They need you. If I remove myself from my kids' lives, I'm a poison to them. If I remove myself from my marriage, then, then they'll find somebody better to, to, to move on with life with. If I remove myself from my job as the CEO or as the pastor or whatever the situation might be, God has you there for this time, and, and burnout may be very much of the story, but God's using those external pressures to change you and shape you, and what I found was this moment in my life was not the, the rest of my life, because what was happening is this moment that I was going through, God was confirming my call to being a husband, to being a dad, and to being a, a, a pastor, not 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 just just a pastor, but to my life is about encouraging people and helping people and inspiring people and and being raw and vulnerable with people to help them know that they're not crazy. My goal in life is to help you to, to understand that the problems you're facing, that you're not alone, that this is a moment in your life and it's this moment is not the rest of your life. And so in this process, the the approval I was longing for was this. If I can be guaranteed whatever I do, the book I write or the, the, the message I preach, the, the relationship, the connection I make, the networking I do, if that can turn out to give me approval, then it's worthwhile. What I was doing prior to all this, the reason why there's the burnout was because I was looking for things to bring me approval and it was backwards. Instead of living a life to just love people regardless of how things were going to turn out, that not using the approval to motivate me, but realizing God loves me and God approves of me, using that as my motivation to help people, that I'm going to do things without a, 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 without guarantee of return on what I do. I had to get to the point. That was my breakthrough for me, 
was realizing I don't need people's acceptance and approval to live my life. I don't need people's acceptance and approval to be a pastor, to be a dad, to be a husband. I can love on people without any expectation of return. The expectations that I was putting on my church, on my wife, on my kids, they, they couldn't bear up underneath those expectations because only God can fulfill, only Jesus can fulfill those expectations for love and approval. That My wife could never give me enough approval. That There could never be enough people in church. There could never be enough applauses or likes or downloads or comments or retweets that would be enough to make me feel good about myself. I had to choose to know that I am loved by God and that I am worthy of God's love. I had a, it was a, a conscious choice I had to make. So number one, this is a moment in your life. This moment is not the rest of your life. Number two is this. Your emotions are real, but they are not your reality. Your emotions are real, but they're not your reality. With this thought in mind, here's the deal. The anger you're feeling, yeah, it's real. But don't act out on that anger. The depression you're feeling, yes, it's very real. But life isn't as dark and gloomy around you because things will change like we talked about number one. So your emotions, while they are real, they do not determine your reality. Your emotions, let them fly. Uh, don't do anything about them though. In this, and here, here's what I mean by that. It's cry, be frustrated, be angry, but don't hurt anybody. Don't punch any walls. Don't, don't curse out anybody. Don't break anything. Don't do something you're going to regret thinking, well, if I do this, this will just relieve the emotional tension in my life. Those emotions, while they are real, I, I believe the best fix for those emotions is to talk about them, to, to, to talk through them with somebody you trust, somebody who's not going to try to fix you, but to just simply talk through those emotions, to talk through how you're feeling and what's going on, and to be able to express those the best you can in words, and instead of yelling and shouting and getting angry, but just tell your, your spouse or a friend or a loved somebody, say, listen, I'm really hurt and disappointed right now. I'm really angry right now. I'm really tired right now. I'm really burned out right now. Maybe that's what you're going through. Number three, the third secret is this. Your success does not enable God and your failure does not disable God. Your success does not enable God. It does not bring God's blessing. And your failure does not disable God. It does not bring God's curse upon you. I was convinced that if I was successful in my work as a pastor, as a, as a person, that God would then bless, it would just open up the windows of heaven and God would bless me. And I was just waiting for my ship to come in for my big break. I was just waiting for God to bless me in an incredible way. And I thought that his blessing was dependent upon my success. And because of that, on the flip side, then I thought if I failed as a pastor, that God's curse, God's God's disabling, God's anger would be upon me and that I would be, I would be, you know, cursed. I would be kind of like, uh, uh, just like have, uh, the, a hex sign put over my head that don't spend any time with that guy. Don't be anywhere near that guy. Cause, cause it's like uh, Murphy's law. He just has a, a rain cloud following him wherever he goes. And so I couldn't get through my head. The fact that it's simply my engagement with God. It's God working in my heart. That's where God can. It's not about it's not about success. Success truly is this. Success with God is that you have a relationship with him, that you have a connection with him, that you hear from God. You take care of your soul, you take care of your emotional health, and God'll take care of your public reputation. You take care of your private life, 
God will take care of your reputation publicly. God will lift you up. God will magnify you. And your failure is through failure that you begin to find yourself getting back to the basics and the essentials. And that is to have a relationship with God, to have your connection to God and realize that really successful people, very successful people, have lost everything because they didn't get this point in their life. They didn't understand this, that everything in their life, all the success, they lost it because they made a bad decision. They made a foolish decision because God wasn't a part of their story. God wasn't a part of their life. They never engaged God. And here's the deal. God will not be upstaged by any of us. God loves you and me too much to allow us to stand in the limelight. And here's the deal. I believe that God worked in circumstances and orchestrated things so that he could bring me to this point of, of burnout, so that he could, through the other side, bring me to a point of breakthrough. Let me find this one. Number four, don't estimate your hurts. Don't estimate the hurts that you feel. One of the big surprises that you're going to find is that you're going to be be feeling that if you can just stuff the hurts and push the hurt away, then then that'll make you healthy. That if you don't feel the hurt and pain, then that, that's what will fix it. But nothing can be further from the truth because if you harden your heart to the hurt, you'll also keep yourself from, from experiencing and being tender toward the love. And so the acceptance that God has for you, the acceptance that God wants to give to you, the road back from burnout only can happen if you embrace and, and give credence to the hurts that you feel, realizing, yes, these are some serious issues. Yes, there is pain here. Yes, there's disappointment. That text message from the, the person who is very upset with me and Amanda, that's a legitimate thing. The, the letters from friends and, and phone calls, yeah, that's legitimate stuff. Yeah, it's not something just to, to, to say, oh, it's no big deal. Because what happens is it's, it's, it goes subsurface, and, it, and, it, and if we don't address those things and, and, and resolve those issues, they go subsurface, and what happens is they stir in us, they stir in us, and eventually one day it's going to come out. The problem is when that day comes, you and I can't determine that. How big of a blow-up or how much it comes out, we can't control that unless we can control it now. You determine and you deal with those issues now, today, because they will come and control you someday. They will come and they will wreak havoc in your relationships in your life someday. And I believe that's why people who have become so successful and then have these massive public failures, I believe this is the key issue of why those things take place. Because they had issues that they never dealt with early on and went subsurface. And then those issues grew and grew and grew until finally they came out and ruined them publicly. So you deal with those issues. Don't underestimate, uh, don't underestimate your hurts. And then last of all, we'll wrap up here. Don't underestimate the time you need to recover. Don't ever underestimate the time you need to recover. I'm reading a book right now called The 20-Something Soul. It's by a, a guy named uh, Tim Clydesdale. He's uh, Dr. Tim Clydesdale. And he talks about the 20-somethings in our society today that some of them have, have massive commitment and incredible engagement with their uh, their church, with the religious side, with spirituality, and then others have totally walked away from God. They have they have embraced what he would call a secular life, if you will, and and uh, and in the sense of not wanting to have anything to do with God because of the difficulties and the issues and some struggles that they came and the doubt and the hurt possibly that came from their their religious upbringing potentially. 
And so one of the things that he talks about, here's a scenario that he brings up. He says that in our society, as, as Americans especially, we're very resourceful, um, self-fulfilling uh, people, that we, we're all about um, fixing things yourself. So he says this, if a person says that they have a car problem, a friend comes to you and says, man, I got a car problem. Our first instinct is to say, well, have you changed the oil? Have you kept up with the maintenance? Uh, have you been driving it erratically or rationally? And if they say, well, uh, yeah, like like I've been driving a little bit erratically. Uh, I haven't kept up on the oil and the, and the maintenance. We're like, well, that's your problem. You're just irresponsible and you have no character. But if they say, well, yeah, I've kept up with the maintenance and no, I haven't been driving erratically. Then we say, well, what kind of car are you driving? And they could be like, well, I have a, you know, like a, a beater car that's like from the 1970s and it's a lemon, you know, <laughs> like it's just it. Well, then we say, oh, there's your problem. You just have an old car. So we blame the person initially. And then if if they're not to blame, if they have impeccable character, if they're above board, now we can go say, oh, well, there's outside complications. And so he, he says this, that only after ruling out individual choices and actions do we consider the relevance of larger factors. And he makes this point and he says that, that our society today is so complex with all the choices people have, that especially for the, the young people coming up, so the young millennials and Generation, Generation Z, that doesn't even have a name yet, necessarily yet, that those people coming up, they have a more complex world that they're stepping into. So the, the propensity and the potential of burnout is going to be far, far greater for them than it would be for previous generations because of the expectations, because of the choices, because of this level of trying harder to do better that they have so many options at, at their fingertips. Life can really get out of control. And so one of the things that, that I think that we have such a, a misunderstanding of is this. We underestimate time. One of the things that, and even now as I'm working through uh, just previous mindsets that I'm trying to change, when I have triggers and things that creep up and I think, oh, I got to people please, oh, I got to people please, oh, I got to live up to that expectation, I have to stop and take a breath, take a moment and think through, is this an old way of thinking? Is this an old thought pattern that's going to lead me back into a place of burnout. One of the reasons why I wrote the book Breakthrough, Transforming the Death of Your Dream into the Birth of a Breakthrough, one of the reasons why I've rolled out this podcast and why I'm trying uh, to, to put into people's lives and bring value to people's lives, one of the reasons why I didn't resign as a pastor, one of the reasons why we made some major changes in our family to have more financial uh, margin for us, cutting back on our costs, we even sold our home and we moved so we could be in a smaller house with with less uh, less money for the mortgage and, and paying property taxes and all that stuff. One of the reasons why we've done all that, we're living off of, of less money. Why have we done all that? So that we can bring greater value to people's lives. So that we can go ahead and help people. It wasn't about a change of, of circumstances. Like, I got to quit. I'm just not a good pastor. That's self-pity. That's, that's not a good response. What it was this, uh, what it was, was was God confirming, this is what I want you to do, and I want you to get hyper-focused. I'm going to take you through something that's going to press you and push you to your limits. But what's going to come out on the other side is something far greater, a confirmation of your calling that will be so great that, that it's going it, it, nothing's going to, to deter you from wanting to be able to help people. And so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because here's the deal. 
I read books during those those days of struggling. I got counsel from from family. I talked to my father-in-law and my dad, and I got some help. But what I didn't have, what I wish I had, was was somebody coming and saying, "Hey, number one, you're going to get through this. Number two, this is normal. This is this is par for the course." Number three, God's not mad at you. What I needed to desperately hear from somebody was this, that God is not mad at you. God is trying to draw you closer to him and trying to work in you something far deeper than you'll ever understand. And so it was in those, in those, those moments now that's turned me to say that a part of my therapy, if you will, a part of my coming out of burnout is to help people who have struggled so that I don't go back to keep it on the forefront of my mind, so I don't go back to those old thought patterns. So my goal is to whether whether people read the book or the the blog or the podcast or listen to the podcast, anything, whether people do it or not, that's not that's not the that's not the issue. What the issue is is to keep helping people, to keep inspiring people, to keep encouraging people, to keep doing what God has called me to do. Because here's the deal. I believe that there are greater forces at play than we ever realize. I do believe that Satan is alive and well, and he does everything he can to discourage people, whether it's in ministry, whether it's in your workplace or your marriage, your relationships. He's doing everything he can to separate and divide people from their from their calling, from their 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 relationships, from their family. He's doing everything because if division happens, if he can divide our country, if division happens. We will not fulfill our purpose, our God-given purpose and calling. And so as you work through burnout, as you come through these things, my prayer and hope for you is this, that you'll, first of all, realize that everything's going to be okay. This is a part of life. This is a, a, a moment in your life. This is not the rest of your life. If you want some more encouragement and you'd like to see these these uh, points, these secrets in more detail, I'd encourage you to go to mattmanny.com forward slash burnout, and you'll find an article there. You'll find a blog post about burnout, mattmanny.com forward slash burnout. You can go as well to look at the show notes for uh, this podcast, and I'll have a link in the show notes for that post. And then also, if you would like to get some help and and really address some of these different challenges, so there's five challenges I talk through in the book Breakthrough. The first challenge is this, being forced into a pit. And what I mean by that is this, that you are involuntarily forced into a situation where the bottom drops out, where you face burnout, a situation that because somebody didn't come through on a promise, because something took place outside of your control, circumstances collided, and things took place where you had to to dig deep and, and you're forced into a situation that you didn't want to be in. That's what I mean by being forced into a pit. Number two is this. When you've been falsely accused of something, how to handle the false accusation because that can drive us into a point where we lose a grip of our dream of our calling. Number three, the third situation is when we've been been forgotten by friends, where we've been betrayed possibly, where um, in this, the story that I really pull into this is the story from Joseph from the Old Testament where he was forced into a pit by his brothers. He was falsely accused by, by a, a, a lady, his boss's wife. And then because of that, he was put in prison and so when he was in prison he was forgotten then by some friends who got out of prison and so maybe you're in a situation where you feel so alone you you don't have any friends around you and you're struggling you can uh we talk about that the fourth 
uh, challenge that we face is vindication and success. What do you do when you're finally vindicated? You don't want to be a jerk and throw it in everybody's face and, and say, look, see, how do you handle success? A part of the dream and, and getting a hold of the dream is when we prematurely try to try to, to to grasp and cling for and claw for vindication. We've all seen it happen. The middle manager guy who promotion and position goes right to their head and they become, for lack of a better word, they become a jerk. And so we talk about how not to, not to be a jerk when you're vindicated. And then last of all, and this is the most most important challenge we have to face is this puts the icing on the top for getting your breakthrough. It's forgiving. You can re- re- choose or refuse to forgive. The the people that pushed you into the pit, the people that falsely accused you, the people that forgot you in prison, the people that won't give you the respect now that you, you have gotten your goals and you've gotten your success, you have to come to a point that you either you begrudge them, you resent them, and that, that'll that'll keep you down. And that'll be something that'll carry with you, and you'll become uh, the world's greatest cynic going forward. Or you learn to forgive those people. You learn to not entrust your worth and value to those people, and you learn how to move forward beyond those those situations and hurts by forgiving those people and forgiving those situations. And so, if you want to find out more about the book, if you'd like to work through the the five challenge checklist, you can go to mattmanny.com forward slash breakthrough. You can get that checklist delivered right to your email, to your inbox. And I'd love for you to be able to to work through that checklist and be able to get some of the the help there from that that checklist, that opt-in for you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I'm really excited. Next podcast, next week coming up, I've got on the podcast interview, Toy Sweeney. She is going to talk about how she created and she's built a, a fashion uh, fashion brand, if you will, a consultation company. So people come to her and they say, hey, I'm an executive in my company or I'm a, I'm a leader or I'm in a startup and what should I wear to my meetings? How should I present myself? How should I dress? And she, she looks at your personal a style, your personal brand, and she says based on how you want to present yourself to people, if you want to present yourself uh, in a certain light as being very relatable, then this is what you should wear. If you want to present yourself as somebody who's uh, an expert and an authority, then you should wear this kind of clothing. If you want to um, present yourself as somebody who is larger than life and really exciting and really outgoing and really engaging, then this is what you should wear. If you're going to be in this situation, here's colors you should wear for this circumstance. If you're a male or female, if if you're in another circumstance, this is what you should wear. And so she's going to talk through some of those things. And, and what I love about her interview is that she really gets into her background, her story, how she came uh, up through, how she grew up, and how God really worked these uh, this passion into her life. And she also gets into some real personal content and telling how she was in her job, in her career, was getting awards and publicly being recognized for her expertise and her success. But then behind the scenes, uh, in her home life, she talks about the loss of of a child, and and going through the heartbreak of of dealing with these very difficult private issues, and 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 having different struggles she faced, and uh, she even gets into into I love toward the end she talks about um, her her view on uh, how to dress for the best impression 
and and talks really about a little bit about her mom and uh, and talking about how she lost her mom and some of the difficulties there. And I uh, cannot wait for you to hear her story. She's so full of life. She is uh, um, on the cutting edge. She's got some fantastic resources that she's going to talk about in the podcast. So I can't wait for you to hear that. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for spending time together. I would encourage you, the podcast is free. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Go ahead and rate and review so we can get this in front of as many people as possible. And again, I cannot wait till our next time where we can get together to be able to learn how to live our lives in such a way that we can leverage our past, where we can fulfill our purpose and unmask our potential for God. Thanks so much for being with me. We'll catch up next time. You've been listening to the Unmasked Life Podcast. Join us next time for more great content that will help you leverage your past, fulfill your purpose, and unmask your potential.